0: Day is by Vincent van Gogh. He said, love many things for therein lies the true strength and whosoever loves much, performs much and can accomplish much and what is done in love is done well. Hello, everyone. My name is Addie Hirshton. I'm a contemporary Impressionist painter, art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with the art teacher Laura Lohman of PaintedPaperArt.com, and the true story of Vincent van Gogh. Announcements. So one of my recent obsessions, is always a new obsession with me, has been to create a series of paintings that are inspired by parenthood. So lots of mothers holding babies, fathers holding their children, and If you are interested in being part of this project, if you happen to have a photograph of um, yourself holding your child, for example, a beautiful image that you think might be good inspiration for one of these paintings, please uh, go to my website, azierfineart.com and send me an email with a picture of the image and hopefully we'll be able to incorporate it into the body of work. My other latest obsession, I have to admit, is on <clears throat> the these ancient medieval texts that I've found that are all um, created by alchemists, so these you know pre scientific scientists. <laughs> and they're it's just really fascinating because they have some neat symbols and imagery and yet they're Their idea of what was correct scientifically is really off base, sometimes to the point of being funny. But I've just been obsessed with looking at those and recreating some of those fun images. So be looking for that in the future. I have a bunch of classes coming up um, here at the Indianapolis Art Center. I'm going to be teaching a four-day plein air workshop in August. In the fall, I'm going to be doing a Joy of Abstract painting class as well as a sky painting class. That's always popular whenever I do it. And, of course, I've got the Art and Soul Retreat in Virginia Beach in September where I will be teaching two-day workshop on Victorian flower painting as well as a one-day workshop on the secret language of symbols. So if you'd like to join me there or for any of the other classes that I've got coming up or you just want to see what new crazy projects I've got going on, I certainly welcome all of you to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter where you'll get updates and um, the new podcast will be sent straight to your inbox. Now without further ado, Here's my interview with Laura Lohman. Laura Lohman has been teaching elementary art for 20 years in Ohio. On her popular art blog, paintedpaperart.com, she shares a wide variety of art project ideas. Many of these ideas are inspired by literature and cultures from around the world, which I love. And In addition, she has lesson plans available on Teachers Pay Teachers. And her work has been featured in Family Fun Magazine and Arts and Activities Magazine. Welcome, Laura. Hello.
1: (laughs) Welcome, Eddie. (laughs) So glad that we have a chance to talk and share wonderful information about art and art education.
0: Yes, because it's so important. It's so important. What's the story of how you became an artist
1: and a teacher? Well, first of all, I, um, went to school to be an art teacher. And at the time I really, um, I, you know how most people are, you're just not sure how am I going to find my voice in education? And, you know, they train us in all different ways and all different styles of teaching. And, and I think, um, Basically, my first year I went to a conference and I had seen some um, teachers in Ohio that I just was blown away with how they taught. They did a lot of themes and they made it seem so easy and so fun. And that really struck a nerve with me. I wanted I wanted it to be fun. Okay. Um, but I wanted them to also learn, my students learn, all this important information. And when they showed these installations of three-dimensional and two-dimensional projects, I was really, that really, you know, struck a nerve with me. So I took that, those, those ideas and then I tweaked it my own. And I think that's what makes anyone a good artist or an art teacher uh-huh. is you take ideas, but then you make it your own. Um, it's right. always it's always fun to see what other people are doing, but when you put a spin to it, that is where you have your own voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's kind of where I started. I was also, before I um, started teaching, I worked in display. Okay. So at... Um, Marshall Fields. And I really enjoyed that. I love that three-dimensional, um, taking a bunch of items and making one large display. And mm-hmm. I like to do that now, even with my students' artwork. Being in different buildings and different um, districts that I taught, I kind of had to reinvent, okay, how am I going to do these displays? How am I going to bring in how I would like the art to be Um, viewed and displayed. And so all that back um, experiences that I had had really have affected me how I am now. Sure, sure. And so I have a question for you, because you said that um,
0: you went to this conference, your first year of teaching, and that things were presented in a very simple and fun way. And I'm curious how you were making it more complicated than it needed to be before.
1: (laughs) Well I, I think this is the concern. I think so many first year teachers are trying to do everything they possibly can and to mm-hmm. make it perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah and and because you know you so much is thrown at you in student teaching and college and all the different um, things that we have to meet nowadays, all the different laws and standards and so on. And they, just made it seem fun. They were mm-hmm. they were hitting all the standards. They were hitting all the projects. I mean, everything that you needed to do. But they did. Um, they put a spin to it. They put a twist to it. Paper mache teapots. Um <laughs> and and it and they did a whole. I remember the one um, teacher. She did a whole thing on farm, and it was all three dimensional. But then there was two-dimensional, and it became a layering. And I'm like, wow, that that's what I like. So you yes. have some two-dimensional items. You have some three-dimensional items. But how it was displayed was so fun. Yes. And I just, I really thanked those teachers. In fact, I went down and visited all their schools separately. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah. it, because I was just so inspired by them. And they were so willing to share with me, too. And I think that was so fun yeah, for me. Teachers
0: learning from teachers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> we exactly. all learn from each other. Yeah, and I think that one of your greatest strengths when I look at your uh, fabulous blog, com, is you've got that layering mm-hmm. that you're referring to. What draws you to painting on paper and this layering um over things like sculpture and you've got some things on your blog that are sculpture, but a lot of it is the painted paper. And you called your blog, the painted paper. Why was that?
1: Well, I'm actually, uh, have a degree in ceramics. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I've taken many classes in ceramics. And so I understand the whole three dimensional process of building and stuff. And that's where when I first, um, my first teaching job was at, I was in two buildings on carts, um, mm. you know, going back and forth every day. Yeah. And, but the one school had a really nice foyer and I could make really nice installations and, and also do a lot of three-dimensional items. Okay. Well, then I um, found a different job. So I had a different assignment at a a different school. And that school is set up totally different. There was no foyer. There was just really long hallways with a lot of traffic. So I had to reinvent, how am I going to do these displays? Because I was so used to doing three-dimensional items, I then went to 2D. And I started, um, you know, I, we all love Eric Carl and how yeah. he paints mm-hmm. and adds the very delicate tissue paper and stuff. But I'm like, how can I add color to construction paper and do a collage where you're really, you're bringing in all different materials, layering, still doing that layering effect mm-hmm. and um, yet being able to display in a safe way that the projects wouldn't be destroyed. Sure. So I started just painting paper. And it was also a way that I could handle my schedule back to back. I had six six classes of every grade level. You know, it's a very busy, busy schedule. And sometimes I can paint and sometimes I can't. But when the days that I I can't paint, I already have paper that's already painted and it just gave more depth to the projects. And I, that was just another thing, reinventing, um, taking something that, you know, a situation that you're in and just reinventing it to make it work for you at that current time. Tweaking it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I love it. So, what are the favorite paints and papers that you use with the kids? When I look at your blog, everything's so vibrant and fresh. Do you have any special mediums and and tools up your sleeve? Well,
1: the secret is we do not use water.
0: That Uh, is. I've heard that secret.
1: Okay. (laughs) I just do not use water because um, constantly rinsing the brushes, the water is in the brushes. Um, the hairs, you know, the bristles, and it waters down the paints. And you just all of a sudden have these muted colors. And uh-huh. so I just explained to my students, hey, we're not going to rinse our brushes. At the very end, you'll put your brush in a bucket of water. But from there, you're not going to be rinsing. And the colors are so vibrant. And I love yeah. seeing brush strokes. I love seeing students brushstrokes kids brushstrokes I yes. love kids artwork I think it's so happy yeah, and yeah. so um I just explained to them um we use true ray construction paper it's a really nice quality construction paper and um we also use my favorite paints have been dick blick premium tempera paint And okay. That's um, not student grade and not washable Washable is really opaque. I'm sorry, transparent. I like okay. the opaque um, paints. Okay. And so, um, Dick Blick has a really nice premium tempera paint. I like Saks has a nice um, Versatemp, which okay. is a tempera paint. And um, Faber Castell has come out with some tempera paints. And so those have been really nice to work with especially if um, I use model magic and get another uh, model magic is an air dry clay and when you paint on that you get another um, as I said that layering effect yes yes so basically those are the three things that I use in my classroom two ray (laughs) construction paper and um, the tempera paint a really nice Student not um, student grade, but premium and model magic. Those are the three things that I order every year. Those are my staples.
0: Wow, fabulous! Yeah, and I know it's so hard for the our teachers, such as yourself, to work with these teeny tiny budgets, and mm-hmm. you know, and you can't necessarily do things like get a bunch of clay that's very expensive and then take mm-hmm. it to a kiln. If you don't have access to a kiln, you really have to strategize and think ahead. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds but, like you've done that. <laughs> you've done the work and
1: and when you have a crazy schedule and you're, you're yeah. basically seeing students for 30 minutes back to back. Sometimes clay is very difficult to be able to use. And if you ha- the air dry clay still gives them that three dimensional experience yeah. um but yet um you know when you apply it with the painted papers and you do more of a collage it looks really nice and and really fun wonderful wonderful next question what advice would you give
0: to your younger artist self and in a way this is kind of a trick question because i bet you
1: give the same advice to your young students <laughs> <laughs> Well, the first one I always say is there's never a mistake. If mm-hmm. you make a mistake, let's roll with it because you never know where it's going to lead you. And a lot of mistakes turn into beautiful works of art. Yes. Um, so that's yes. my first one. And mm. my second one is don't be afraid to use the different materials. Jump right in and, um, you know, mix your colors, but just don't use water. <laughs> <laughs> that's always i'm like just don't use water until you have to really clean out that brush yeah but um i think that's the that's the key is you get those really fun brush strokes you get those colors yes. um, even if you do like i just i think even just brush strokes and color on paper is beautiful it's a beautiful work of art
0: yes yes i agree and back to your thoughts on mistakes um I work with a lot of adult painting students mm-hmm. and and they, I think are even more hung up than the kids are on, Oh my gosh, I made a mistake. It's all wrong. I have to just start over. And, but I always tell them, you, know, you, you just keep working at it until mm-hmm. you like it. Mm-hmm. There's no mistake that can't be tweaked and modified and transformed into something else. Exactly you just bring it to the place where yes, I like it again.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I've have told people too. if you don't like it, let it dry, repaint Mm -hmm. over it. Yes. And you know, there is, that's the beauty of art is Mm -hmm. you're you're constantly um, changing and evolving and it's okay. If you don't like what it looks like now, you let it dry and, kind of go back in and a lot of my students are like this isn't perfect and I'm like okay let it dry you can come back and it will work great and they have seen that they have okay let it dry they go into another area on their project or on their paper and then they come back and oh yeah so I think that sense of oh it doesn't have to be perfect yes yes
0: yeah and and I think this is one of those ways in which. You know, art education can be teaching kids more than just the dexterity skills, but the perseverance to keep going with whatever it is, whatever projects they're going to do later on in life. Exactly. They can understand that, then they will be able to move forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's the
1: main message you're trying to convey with your work? With um the, the whole student artwork the or my own personal? Well, gosh, yeah, it really could be a two-fold question, couldn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, how about both? Okay. It, what's the main message for your students? And then um, what's the main
1: message for your own personal artwork that you might be creating? With the students, I really like them to have fun. Hmm. And when they are creating... They're not realizing that they're learning, and that's mm-hmm. been my like little secret: <laughs> is oh, I can totally teach you uh, this whole science curriculum or the social studies curriculum, but yes. you're not going to realize that you are actually learning of uh, you know while creating artwork, and that's the key: is when they actually can do the um do the project, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's it's clicking and they remember it it's so much better than taking a test so that's my little that's my little um mission is the art room is where they come to create they're actually learning a lot of the items and the background information from their classrooms but then they apply it in my classroom yes so it's mm-hmm. and that's why i always say um It's where curriculum and creativity meet and never take the fun out of learning because we've taken so much fun out of Mm. um, children learning. Everything has become a test, a standardized test. And if you can really just explore and create, you will learn. And like you said, the perseverance, the, okay, this isn't working. How can I come at it at a different way? And really getting that creative confidence, really building up your self-esteem that, Hey, I can take, I can take a risk and Hey, it's okay if it doesn't turn out how I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And so on my personal, um, art, I'm really, there is so much that I want to do. Um, I just really find painting fun and Mm I, I find it, you know, very gratifying and I find it I like to work fast. Mm -hmm. And to me, painting is something that, wow, you can get some color down quickly. And within about an hour, I can have a nice little um, painting or project or even just painting aprons. That was something I was doing over my spring break because I was painting all these aprons. And I'm like, this is really fun. It's quick. And it's like filling Filling my bucket, filling my need. Um, My (sighs) creative juices were flowing. And I just, you know, there's so many different um, avenues you can take to express your creativity. So if it's not gardening or cooking, the cooking kind of gets a little, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say that that's my total um, realm of creativity, but I love gardening. I love mixing the colors Mm -hmm. and, um, and, really kind of using the garden as my palette you know going out and mixing things Mm -hmm. up but I also am really I just I like painting because I like the textures I like seeing things and it's you really get an instant gratification because you're really seeing those marks on that paper Mm. yes yes I quite agree I quite agree
0: what's your favorite art book or story last question Oh. It's that, tough to pick
1: a favorite, that, I know. That yes. <laughs> very much so. Um I really I like anything that has to do with the history of artists. I am an art history guru. In fact, I have a minor in art history. So that's why I do love to incorporate so much art history. I just I really enjoy reading about the different artists and especially um the you know the masters Van Gogh and Monet I just I I love because I love gardening I mm. really understand how they love um, nature and then put it down on their canvases mm. so I can't really say I have one book I have many um, anytime that I find Um, journals or um, I do have one book that I love it's letters that um, Theo and Vincent Van Gogh wrote you know they wrote back to each other yes Uh, I I do enjoy enjoy that so anything with the masters but especially Van Gogh and Monet I just I find that them so interesting and just how even Monet how he just um, designed his whole, his whole landscape, his whole home and gardens so that he could go out there and work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hey, he was really thinking that out, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really enjoy those.
0: Yes. Yes, me too. Lovely. Well, thank you, Laura, so much for coming on the show. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: And now for the story, the true story of Vincent Van Gogh. Vince Van Gogh was born in the Netherlands in 1853. His father was a church minister. He considered going into that profession, too, but he ended up working as an art dealer when he reached adulthood. Van Gogh was a successful art dealer for a few years in London and Paris until he lost his job. He decided to study art after attempting but failing to go to ministerial school. Van Gogh made many, many paintings and drawings over the course of his career. He had a distinctive style that used bold lines and brushwork to create definition and texture. He loved painting the countryside and the patterns found in nature. Sadly, Van Gogh was not as successful at selling his own paintings as he had been at selling other artists' work when he was a dealer. The last years of his life were spent in the south of France, He painted the bright colors found in the warm climate there. Very few people were interested in Van Gogh's work, with the exception of his brother, Theo. Vincent and Theo wrote many letters to each other. In them, Van Gogh wrote a lot about why he loved to paint. One reason Van Gogh struggled to gain credibility as an artist during his lifetime was because he suffered from mental illness. Evidence of this instability occurred when he cut off part of his ear. He had been distressed that his fellow artist friend Gauguin was leaving town. Later, Van Gogh committed suicide, ending his life at the age of only 37. After his death, Vincent Van Gogh's work gained popularity. They're now considered to be the masterworks of the Post-Impressionist era my thoughts on this story. It is difficult for us to know how much of Van Gogh's anguish and turmoil um, was a result of his mental illness or because he was getting a lack of support from the art community. Um, His work was so innovative for the time and most people dismissed its value. Everyone who is an artist needs encouragement so their voice will develop with strength. The true tragedy of Van Gogh's life, I think, was how he didn't get much support, and perhaps he could have lived longer, perhaps he could have uh, found peace and happiness, maybe not, maybe um, his mental illness would have prevented that anyway but I think it's an important lesson for us to learn that before we dismiss artwork that's innovative and new that we recognize that everyone's voice has a value that just because a piece of artwork might not speak to you, it might have value for other people and certainly it's going to have value for the artist who created it in the first place. So this story and many others are found in my book, The Alchemy of Art Stories for the Classroom. This concludes our Alchemy of Art podcast for today. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hurston and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.